0: My name is Julian, and this is the Sales Fix Podcast. It's you, the salespeople across the world that make the world a better place. You've brought down prices, you've increased quality, you've caused the guarantee, the warranty, the return policy, hundreds of thousands of dollars, discussions, interviews, sales quick tips, everything to sharpen the saw and make you a better salesperson. Hello sales professionals, welcome to another episode of the Sales Fix Podcast. My name is Julian. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, I am the host and creator of the Sales Fix Podcast, and this is what we call a quick fix episode, which is an episode of 20 minutes or less, 15 to 20 minutes, designed to give you just something to think about or something to use in your sales day that you can apply today. And for today's quick fix, we're going to go back in time to when I was about half my age, about 24, 25 years old. And I was having a conversation with one of my mentors and I was saying to him, you know, this just doesn't make sense. Um, And my frustration was visibly showing um, my company wants me to more than double the total dollar value of proposals I send out. So that you take all the proposed business that I do out and take that dollar value as an aggregate and double it. And how can I hit my sales number if I'm so busy writing up hundreds of extra proposals? Because the only way I'm going to be able to get this kind of proposal volume is to just throw you know, everything at the wall and see what sticks, right? I'm gonna have to take out the quality indicator if all I'm focused on is, is the quantity. And he looked at me, you know, with his furrowed brow, a little bit puzzled. And he said, are you sure that's what they want you to do? More than double the number of proposals, not to just the dollar value of all the proposals. And I'm like, no, they want to double the total dollar value. But to do that, I obviously have to double the amount of proposals, there's no other way. Do you, he asked back, take a step back and think about what they're asking you. Is your management stupid? Could there be another explanation than they're just dumb and don't get it? So take a step back and get a better vantage point and reconsider the issue. Take a step back. Great advice. Actually, exactly the advice that at the age of 24 years old, I needed to hear. Because the simple act of pausing and changing my perspective opened up possibilities for me that I just couldn't see from my current vantage point. And the same is true for you and anyone else. In that instance, taking a step back made me realize that as a company, what was going on is we were spending way too much time chasing small deals. And so by upping the targeted total, total the targeted, let me say that again, by upping the targeted total dollar value of proposals, what the company was doing was they were forcing the sales team to change its behavior and focus on larger deals and larger accounts, which yield a higher margin overall and a lower setup cost ratio. Hence, more commissions for moi, right? Awesome. More commissions for me. But more importantly for the company, the same amount of work leading to more dollars and more commissions. We were only setting up accounts once, and a lot of our costs were sank in on the setting up of accounts. So if I set up a $10,000 a month account versus setting up a $20,000 a month account, you could see how the difference in the ratio would make a huge difference to the company and they wanted us to change our behavior so they were chart changing our goals they were changing our KPIs the expectations that were being laid out for us as employees were changing because they wanted to change behavior behind it now it's hard to think that I could have a problem or any sales rep could have a problem with a strategy that will actually increase your commissions why would you have a problem with that but from my limited perspective in that moment I couldn't see the overall mission Our perspective limits our thinking and it limits our interpretation of the facts around us that we accumulate. You as a sales rep have probably received directives from sales management in the past that seem to make no sense. And some of those directives might even seem to be in contradiction to you being able to get good results. But there are no contradictions. There are only conclusions based on false premises. So as one of my favorite fictional characters, Francisco Danconia, always said, or his famous quote, which is, there are no contradictions. If you feel you're facing a contradiction, check your premises. One of them is false. So checking premises involves, first and foremost, pausing our current thinking, taking a step back, literally or non-literally, and changing our perspective. The same applies when we have a prospect, by the way, who isn't buying or is stalling for seemingly no reason. We need to take a step back and change our perspective to find the answers because we're seeing it from our particular view. We're just continuing to push on the prospect to buy and that may not work. As a matter of fact, it may kill the sale instead of let's go find some more data points because it may reveal a perspective that I'm not seeing. If you're a sales manager, you may be asked to give directives to your sales team that you do not understand or that you don't think that you agree with. And it's irresponsible. In fact, it's an abdication of your leadership responsibilities to either cover up for upper management or to cover for the sales team. So your two choices might seem in that instance that, well, I'm just going to toe the company line and I'm going to refuse to give an explanation because I myself don't understand the explanation for these particular directives. Or I might cover for the sales team and say, listen, upper management wants us to do this, but I don't really like that. So you guys just pencil whip it and we'll move on. And that's an abdication of your leadership responsibilities because you could get people hurt. And what I mean by that is you could hurt the company, which might lead to layoffs, or you could drive some serious frustration from upper management and cause them to start, you know, killing salespeople, you know, symbolically speaking, right? Killing people's jobs, laying off people or firing people, including yourself, by the way. So if you don't understand or agree with the directives, take a step back. Go find the why behind the directive and help your team members be able to take a step back themselves to understand. may not always be pleasant, but with the why in context, understanding what we're doing, that te- that step back in that one moment may help everybody see it better. Again, may still not be something that you want to do, but at least you understand the reasoning behind it. You may even come up in that particular scenario with some solutions or some ideas on how to better accomplish what the directive is trying to do, the why behind it and not just be focused on executing the orders or the commands or the directives as they've been given to you. And again, if you don't take the time to do it, why would you expect your salespeople, your sales team, to take the time to do it? They won't. They won't either. They'll take their leadership cues from you. That's why you're the leader. So you have to go back to upper management. You have to ask questions, not questions like, hey, man, why are we doing this? This is stupid. That's not a constructive question. How about a question of, hey, I'm trying to understand what's behind this, because there may be situations in the field where we have to, you know, sacrifice something, right? We have to settle something. We have to make a some kind of concession in order to win something else. And I need to be able to stack rank what's most important. So help me understand the why behind what's going on here so that we can make good decisions out in the field. Okay. Many years ago, several colleagues and I did one of those um, escape rooms as a team building event. I'd never done an escape room before. It was the first time I did one of those. Um, I have good memories of it. It was a, It was a fun activity. Now, this was a group of eight people, right? all motivated, driven, intelligent, self-actualized salespeople. These were all winners in the room. Everybody in the room was smart. Everybody in the room was self-aware. It, it, was, it wasn't a crowd of people that are not actualized in their life. So there's a, a pretty good group. And we did a good job overall in sharing and cooperating to solve the puzzles as we were working the puzzles in front of us. We got to the very end of the escape room, and we were one step away from solving the last puzzle to escape. Right? So we were all literally crowded by the door trying to figure out the puzzle. And what the puzzle was was there was a certain number of numbers that we had, and they were color-coded. And we had to figure out what the sequence was to those numbers so we could enter them into the combination. And we only had a limited number of tries. So you can just sit there and fire away. Not to mention, I think there was like eight or nine numbers. So it, 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 you know, would, there were would quite a few combinations. We would have probably run out of time. So as we were all crowded by the door trying to figure this out, I had a a moment of clarity where I looked and saw that my teammates were all working on the problem. And I don't know if I thought this. I don't know if I thought, oh, they're all working it from the same perspective because everybody's crowded by the door. Or if I just for some reason thought, let me give them some space. But either way, what had happened is I decided to give them some space to figure it out. And I quite literally took three steps backwards away from the door. And as soon as I did... My new perspective allowed me to actually see a painting on the wall or a photograph that was a clue, and what that clue was, it was actually a, a series of pool balls um, with the number and the color, and they were lined up in a specific order. So it was it was as clear as could be that that's what we were solving for. That was the answer we were searching for. But when we were all crowded by the door, none of us could see it. My physically taking three steps back to take a step back and and just to give my teammates room it wasn't like oh i was smart enough that i went in that particular moment if i take a step back i'll have a new perspective i'm not trying to paint myself as some you know zen master at that particular moment it was quite literally me saying there's enough of them working on it let me take a step back and give them space and when i did and took those steps back all of a sudden out of out of my peripheral vision i saw you know a photograph on the wall of those pool balls lined up and i went there it is right and so all i had to do I mean, I didn't even have to give my team the answer. I just went, guys, and I pointed at the picture and they looked at it and they were like, boom, we got it. Solved, out the escape room, right? A literal example of the benefits of taking a step back, a literal step back, right? Now, you are now or you will soon face a challenge of some sort. It might be a prospect that seems stuck on a small detail of your proposal or a change of the procedures of your company that seems to derail your best efforts. It might be a change commission plan It might be a prospect that goes silent even though they were very very engaged and all of a sudden they go radio silent on you i'm sure that's never happened to you that only happens to me right i'm the only salesperson that's ever experienced an engaged prospect all of a sudden making a switch and going into the witness protection program nobody else has ever run into that i I understand that that's just me but let's say it wasn't just me and this particularly would happen to you your first instinct should not be to proactively jump into things. Salespeople tend to be proactive people, and that's a good thing in almost every facet of life. Being proactive is, after all, one of the seven habits of highly successful people. little plug for Stephen Covey's book. If you haven't read it, go buy a copy. It should sit on your shelf. Not because you're a salesperson, because you're a human being. It's like an owner's manual for the mind. It's a fantastic book. But being proactive is generally a good thing, is what I was saying. But being overly proactive or overly aggressive takes away that moment of reflection. Reflection. It takes away that step back that allows us to think and let our subconscious or our conscious rather catch up to our subconscious. It, it, it gives us enough time to be able to set things in place so that our observation, our sense of discovery, and if you remember one of the things that I always talk about is sales is a journey of discovery, not of convincing. We're out there to discover what's going on with our clients or our prospects, and the more accurately we discover it, the more accurately we can match our solution, and then they buy. We don't even have to sell if we did our job properly doing that, but how can we really do well in that process of discovery if all we're doing in that moment is rushing to act, rushing to talk? A perfect example of this that you'll probably relate to is all those conversations where a silent pause shows up. And we're salespeople. We have so much information in our head. We're so good at what we do. We understand our products so well that it's so tempting to jump in with both feet and quickly fill that silence with information. And in fact, in most settings that involve sales. And by that, I mean we're prospecting or we're negotiating or we're trying to resolve an objection or an issue. In most settings, if we take a pause and just start asking some questions, maybe instead of volunteering information, asking for information. But even if we take a pause and if we're not so committed to being the first person that breaks the silence, you know what happens? More information comes out from our prospects our prospects, our clients start to share more information because their impulse to fill the silence kicks in. And if we have the discipline to take a step back and allow ourselves that moment... A coupled aspects that come from that, the one I just talked about, the other one is detachment. It doesn't look like we're eager beavers and we're so emotionally attached to the outcome of the sale. And that tends to put people at ease. The more eager, enthusiastic, overwhelmingly pushy the person in front of you is, the more it sets off defense mechanisms in the average human being that there might be a catch. But if you're detached emotionally from the outcome if you're like, hey, this is either a fit for you or it's not a fit for you, my only job is to make sure I diagnose the problem correctly and explain the product completely so that you understand how you can solve the problem with this product. Well, if I've got those elements in place, then it probably isn't going to come across as me being overly enthusiastic. And if it doesn't come across as me being overly enthusiastic, it doesn't trigger those defense mechanisms that often come from that sense of feeling that the other person sitting across from you is overly desperate to close or conclude this piece of business. Okay, so circle back to what we were talking about. Take a step back. I heard one really wise author, and I'm not going to quote him because I would quote him incorrectly and he would probably call me yell at me if I did so, but I heard one really wise author once say in an interview, something a video I was watching either on LinkedIn or on YouTube or someplace like that, and the author talked about how typically and by the way, the setting was not sales, the setting was family relations. The setting was you know, conversations with your spouse, your children, conversations with your father, your mom, and all those cases. And what he the point he was making was that typically your initial reaction, your initial reaction is going to be wrong. If your mom makes a comment and you can take it one of two ways, way number one is she didn't mean anything by that. she's trying to be helpful. way number two is, you know, it's it's hurtful or offensive or critical in nature. Our human instinct tends to go default to the negative, right? We tend to just assume the negative. And so, what he what he's what he uh, uh, this author talked about was go in with the presumption that your first reaction is not going to be the correct one. It may still be the correct one, but guess what? If you take a step back and pause to reflect, and it's the correct one, you can go with it anyway. But if it's the wrong one and it shoots out of your mouth before you've had a chance to think about it, it's a little harder to take back or unspeak the words that went out. Because if you had a negative reaction, those words quite likely are going to be negative as well. So they're going to push in the wrong direction. So take a step back is the point of this quick fix sales tip. Think about your sales day. Think about the things that your prospects say and how easy it is to assume things from that and choose to say my default reaction is probably going to be incorrect. So at the very least, I'm going to pause. I had a little bit of an incident a couple weeks ago now where I had a client that had three big objections to one of the proposals that I had in front of them. I had three big things that were coming up. And so we scheduled a call to handle those three big things. And I started the call by saying, hey, help me out. Remind me specifically, and if you can, go into a little bit of detail, elaborate a little bit on these three things that you brought up in the email that generated the necessity for this conversation, this call to happen. And so the clients, and there were two of them, there were two of them on the phone from the same company, Um, the, the two of them started talking about the first one and they kind of explained it out and there was a pause, there was a silent pause, lasted about three seconds, felt like about three hours, but it lasted about three seconds. You know, and I'm not always on my game, but this particular day I was on my game. So during those three seconds, I shut up. I didn't say a word. And I think I might have made a sound like, hmm. And one of them jumped in and said, well, I mean, what we mean by that, and further elaborated on the objection, which caused the other person, the other client, to say, well, actually, no, that's not quite right. And that caused a debate between the two of them on what was going on inside that objection. Lo and behold... Within about three to four minutes, they talked themselves out of the objection. They actually concluded with very little participation from me and said, yeah, you know what? That's not really that big of a deal. We actually want to focus on the other two objections. And I went, okay, got it. So we're good with this one. Yep, good. Let's talk about the other two. And unbelievably enough, the process repeated itself with the next two objections. The combination of the two of them discussing this Cause both of those objections, one to get eradicated completely and one to get drastically minimized in importance so that it was something that was workable, right? It was something that I could say, Hey, no solution is perfect. And I'm not sure, but where would you find a solution that would handle that situation? And they were like, you're right. We kind of, we couldn't. Right, So that goes to baba selling. If you've ever heard me talk about you know, selling to the best available alternative and not selling against an ideal, in that particular case, they were able to go, yeah, ideal solution would handle this 100%. You've got it handled 85%. We're good to go on that. And the deal closed. And the deal closed not because of what I said, but because of what I didn't say, because I gave them the room to elaborate. Now, you may be thinking, that's great, Julian, but most of my clients don't have another person that they're making a decision with. In fact, most of them are making the decision by themselves. Well, depending on your industry, that may be true. But data actually shows, and I just heard this on another sales podcast today, ironically enough, data actually shows now that most decisions, if you're selling any kind of a complex business solutions, most decisions involve five to six people. One of, one of the hosts of that podcast was theorizing that it was as high as seven, but I think the official number they had was 5.4, right? So round it up to six or round it down to five. Okay, so when was the last time that you got all the stakeholders involved in a call? I mean, the biggest practical reason for not doing that in the past was that they might not be all in the same place, and it was tough to get them all in the same room. But you know, with the pandemic and everything that's happened, a lot of selling now has gone to a Zoom or a GoTo meeting. And it's no longer happening necessarily in a live room. And if that's the case, how complicated is it to schedule a Zoom meeting and say, guys, let's save some time here and not run a thousand emails back and forth. Let's just schedule 20 minutes to address this situation and see what we can conclude makes sense in terms of next steps from that conclusion. And get all those decision makers on the phone and then say, OK, what's the problem? And watch. In a lot of cases, they'll debate it out between themselves. and They might actually land on it's not that big of a problem. We're not that worried about it. It's okay. We can move forward based on that. The secret to moving forward is obviously is 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 often to take a step back. And one last analogy here. You guys know how I love analogies. I have a friend of mine who's a rock climber, and tells me that a lot of people get themselves in trouble in rock climbing. Um, I think there's a, there's a fancy French word for it, right? But I'll just call it rock climbing because I'm not a rock climber, so I'm probably not going to use the, the, you know, the, the, the bouldering or whatever the right term is. But he says a lot of people get themselves in trouble when they're rock climbing because they make a move in the wrong direction or they make three moves in the wrong direction. And they get to the point where they mentally eliminate the option of retreating one or two steps back to be able to regain a vantage point or a a leverage point that was more advantageous to them and be able to then keep moving forward. They eliminate the option of going back. So mentally, they feel like I can't go up and I can't go down. I got myself stuck. And it's true sometimes. That certainly can happen. But he says most of the time, it's the mental block on going back one step in order to be able to move forward three steps that gets people stuck. And when he comes in to rescue people, when he comes in to help people, he'll be like, well, you were doing better over there. Why don't you go back to that vantage point? People look at that and say, that's a defeatist thing. I'm not going to be able to go back. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to take a few steps back. Well, you know, talk to most of the billionaires or millionaires that you might run into in life, and you'll find out most of them have been bankrupt at some point, or at least have been broke, if not bankrupt. So they've, a lot of them have made a fortune and lost it, made a fortune and lost it, made a fortune and lost it. And it's the fourth or fifth time that they make it that it really escalates up to the point because of all the lessons that they were willing to learn. But if you think about it, the first three steps of making a fortune are the simplest ones. So to go back to them for somebody who's got expertise is just a question of you know, pushing down our ego, curtailing our ego and accepting the fact that, okay, I moved several steps in a wrong direction. And your prospects are no different, right? So being able to take a step back, for example, during a really hard objection and say, maybe I didn't understand this. Let me let me stop trying to convince them that their objection is not sound. Instead, let me ask questions and explore because maybe they're right. Push my ego back down and say, maybe they're right. Maybe this is something or maybe I just didn't understand what this meant the first time. And it you can gain some clarity based on that or you just take a step back. And like my my, my uh, experience at the escape room, you might just take a step back and look and say, oh, look at that. I take three steps back and right there on the wall is the answer that I'm looking for. Take a step back. Don't be in such a rush to move forward. Hope this was useful. If you have not already highly so whatever application you're watching or listening to this on, please uh, click that subscribe button. Subscribe is free. It doesn't mean you're paying me anything, but it helps with the rankings of the podcast and that certainly helps me. So appreciate if you do that. Also, if you could take the time to write a review or uh, check or like uh, on any of the uh, social media or other tools that you may be using to listen to this podcast, that helps us as well. Two sponsors of the show, two partners of the show that I highly endorse, sales managers. If you want to go to refract.ai, there's a fantastic tool there, great company. They offer fantastic sales tools for sales managers and for everybody on the call. If you want to go to Origin USA, there's some great nutritional supplements there and some fantastic made-in-the-USA clothing that is absolutely wonderful and wonderfully made and highly durable and that I personally buy and wear both. Well, I buy both the nutritional supplements and the clothing from Origin USA and I have bought the Refract software for several of my clients and I've actually used it myself for SalesFix and I highly endorse it. Hope this was useful and we'll see you on the next episode of the SalesFix podcast. You've been listening to the SalesFix podcast. For more sales tactics and tips, visit the blog section at salesfix.com. That's SalesFix with two X's. We're on Twitter at SalesFix, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you'd like help training your sales team, email us at infosalesfix.com.